Well, good morning again, church. If you have your Bibles, open up to uh, Psalm 49. Uh, there's kind of three texts for this morning. Uh, Psalm 49, David read from Luke chapter 12, and we're going to be looking at some Proverbs as well. Um, as I was preparing this uh, psalm, the last in our summer psalm series, uh, I kind of said to myself, why in the world did you choose this psalm? And uh, I, I believe when we were reading through psalms uh, in our Bible reading, uh, when we got to Psalm 49, I was very interested in verses 7 and 8, and I said, well, I want to study that a little bit more, so I put it on my psalm preaching schedule so I would get to study it. But really, it's this psalm uh, about money, and uh, I don't love talking about money, um, and there's really kind of a, in our culture today, uh, those of you who maybe grew up in the church, you know, you were, you were told probably, you know, we're to work hard and be honest, and God will bless that. And that was a, it was a good track to be on. And today, there's an idea that if you have money, you're somehow uh, inherently evil. And um, people quote Bible verses on both sides. And so there's kind of this fight that's going on. In fact, there's a, a drinking game that's going around the internet, which I'm not endorsing, by the way, in any way. But uh, the drinking game, maybe you've heard about it, is you're supposed to go to a bar uh, during the uh, Democratic uh, debates. Um, and every time Bernie Sanders says you're going to get something for free, you go and drink somebody else's beer, um, which I don't recommend. Um, but the idea now that we should not work and get something for free um, is very prominent in our culture. And the, the amazing thing is, is sometimes the Bible talks about wealth as a blessing, and other times in, in the parable that David read, he talks about this rich man, and it was, a, it was an evil situation. And so how do we know when it's good and when it's bad? And I don't know if we're going to solve all that this morning, but we're going to at least dig into it. So I've entitled the sermon, Sin Versus Stewardship. Uh, let's look at uh, Psalm 49. To the choir master, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Hear this, O peoples, give ear all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will solve my riddle to the music of the lyre. Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surround me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches. Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life, for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice, that he should live on forever and never see the pit. For he sees that even the wise die. The fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others." Their graves are their homes forever, their dwelling places to all generations. Though they called lands by their own names, man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve of their boasts. Like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd." And the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol with no place to dwell. But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. 
Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed, and though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generations of his fathers who will never again see light. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. In this psalm, we're going to look at the psalmist's call, his counsel, his contrast, and then his conclusion. Uh, We need to worship God with our wealth rather than worship our wealth as our God. Uh, What we're wrestling with this morning, uh, the question that the psalmist asks is, why do I fear in times of trouble when iniquity of those who cheat me who trust in their wealth, the boast of their, but why do I, why do I fear those things? And, and the psalmist answers, don't worry, those people are going to die. But we have another hope. And so that's the answer of that. But I wanted to broaden this a little bit. How do we know uh, when we cross the line between sin and stewardship? Uh, how do we know how much is enough and and we're going to wrestle with that. So first, the psalmist's call. This psalm is for everyone. Uh, As you look at verse 1, he calls specifically all the inhabitants of the world. So in in case you don't think that applies to you, he even gets a little bit more specific. Those who are of low esteem or uh, and those who are of high status, low status and high status. And then he goes on to say, and the rich and poor together. Why do the poor need to hear uh, this psalm uh, about wealth? Well, to be honest, sometimes when we've acquired all the wealth, it might be too late for us to learn that lesson. So he's saying to the poor, why don't you learn this before you have it so that you treat it correctly when you have it. Uh, In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, it says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. And what he's saying is, even if you're not wealthy, you're always in, not content and not satisfied with what you have. That's a sign that there might be a problem. Second, we, we see that this is a wisdom psalm. Uh, what do I mean by that? Uh, obviously, this is poetry, um, and it's in that genre, and this is a psalm, but it's very much more like a proverb. In fact, he uses those words. Verse 3, I will speak wisdom. Uh, and understanding. Verse 4, to ear to a proverb, a riddle. That's the type of literature it is. Wisdom is the right application of knowledge. Now we could give different definitions, but I, I like that one. Wisdom is more than just knowing what's right. You can know it, you can understand it, you can even be able to explain it to other people. But wisdom is the right application. It's not just an application of knowledge. It's the right application of knowledge. And so wisdom is when we do the things that we're supposed to do, when it becomes part of our life. Wisdom ultimately is from God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And third, wisdom literature is interesting in that it shows us both sides of an issue. Um, Wisdom literature doesn't just say, here's what you're supposed to do. 
Wisdom literature says, well, this is what happens with a rich person. This is what happens with a poor person. This is what happened. And they put it all together and we come up with a conclusion. For example, here's some verses from Proverbs. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to, detect, to, to stop. So, okay, don't toil to uh, acquire wealth. And then another Psalm says, wealth gained hastily will dwindle. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Well, wait a second, I, I thought I wasn't supposed to be working towards it, right? And so sometimes there's more than one saying that a proverb does to get us to think about it. Now, as I was uh, doing this study, you know, there's lots of different cross-references and different things we looked up, and one of the verses was Ephesians 5.3. And uh, I really had to stop and think about this. So Ephesians 5.3 says this, but among you there must not even uh, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. This is why this verse uh, spoke to me. And I just, just kind of listen for a second. For me, I, I grew up in the church. Uh, I went to a Christian school. Uh, most, a lot of my jobs early on, even at age 16, were in Christian circles. I worked at a Christian camp uh, during the summer, 16, 17, and 18. And I have heard this verse quoted to me many, many times. As a young person, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Okay? Therefore, at camp, guys not in girls' cabins, girls not in guys' cabins. There's the rule. That's at Christian school, there should not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Therefore, we're not dancing. I don't, I don't know. You know, we could, we could debate that one, but that was the rule. Okay, we even, it was actually stated at one point in time, but, but on the Christian high school campus, there was the six-inch rule. There needed to be at least six inches between you and the person of the opposite sex. Why? Because we can't even have a hint of sexual immorality. I get it. I'm not saying those aren't bad. Those are good. Fine. I grew up with that. I grew up being able to quote this verse and why we were doing everything that we were doing. And I get it, but nobody ever preached a sermon or had any rules about what a hint of greed was. Not only should there not be a, a hint of sexual immorality, there shouldn't even be a hint of greed. What does a hint of greed look like? How many inches is that? And in our culture, they would say, Young person, we are in a very sexually charged culture. Absolutely agree with it. We're fighting against the culture. Do we live in a wealth-obsessed culture? So why isn't, why was there, I honestly never once heard a sermon on what a hint of greed looked like or had that defined for me. So the question is, how do we distinguish between good wealth and bad wealth? That question is actually easy to answer. The harder question is, where does sin versus stewardship? Where's the line for that? Or how do we worship God with our wealth rather than worship our wealth as our God? So here's the psalmist counsel in verses five and following. And it's pretty simple. Uh, in verses five and six, again, the psalmist asks the question, and then he begins to answer it. And the psalmist reminds us, you can't buy more time. You can't buy more time. 
It's interesting in this verse, I just kind of went through it. He talks about the pit in verse 9, not a good place, you don't want to be there. Uh, That being their forever home in verse 11. Sheol is mentioned in verses 14 and 15. Death, die, and perish in verses 10, 11, 12, 14, 17, and 20. I mean, the point is made. You can't buy more time. You can't acquire eternal life. And so the psalmist says, truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. It's interesting, and commentators point out, the psalmist don't say that you can never pay the price to ransom for your life. So it says here, truly, no man can ransom another. And so that's why I wanted to study this passage. It's interesting. But the, the general point is simply this. You, you can't buy eternal life. You can't purchase that. Now, I think there's all sorts of gospel references. I think that that's one. But if you look down to verse 14, right? You have death shall be their shepherd. That's interesting. We'll get to that in a second. And the upright shall rule over them in the morning. What a beautiful phrase there. James Montgomery Boyce wrote, this verse is actually an anticipation of the morning of the resurrection. Man, what a beautiful kind of picture there. You can't take it with you. I know that we know that. Um, I can't. I won't need it there. So, but I, you know, sometimes that uh, idea of I need to have as much as I can until then. You can't buy lasting fame. And you can't buy lasting glory. The councils look just, the, remember, you can't take it with you. You can't purchase real glory and real lasting fame. You can't purchase eternal life. And so the point, and just listen to it. He concludes it a couple different times. We'll look at verse 20. Man in his pomp. I've never used that word in a sentence. I had to look it up. Sign of significance. Um, Some of your translations just say riches, but the Hebrew word has more to it than that. And actually, pomp is a pretty good picture. It is pomp. Um, A lot of you, I know, we've, we've had discussions. Some of you here are college football fans, and you've been waiting. And, you know... Uh, the amazing thing about the, the whole thing is there's a lot of pomp before the game starts. Man, some of these quarterbacks were made into deities in the morning show and then proven to be mortal at the first snap. Um, pomp, sign of significance. Man in his pomp, yet without understanding is like the beasts that perish. That's the point. Now, as I looked at this psalm, and I I wanted to answer these questions. Um, How do we distinguish between good wealth and bad wealth? How do we distinguish between sin and stewardship? And uh, as I was looking at all these different passages, I finally just stopped. And I took out a pad of paper, and I just read through Proverbs. And Proverbs has a lot to say about money and different things. And so I just came up with some things that are good reminders for us this morning. So I said the psalmist council, but we're going to 
enlarge this to the Council of Proverbs. The first one is this. Wealth must be earned justly. Uh, there's a couple different verses there. Psalm 10.2 says, Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. So how do we distinguish between good wealth and bad wealth? It's how we earn it. Do we earn it justly? That's actually pretty simple. Um, like I said, that one's a simple way to, how did you earn your wealth? But how do we distinguish between sin and stewardship? I don't think there's, I wish I could just tell you there's a line, there's a dollar amount, there's a point, uh, but it's, the, the, the Proverbs don't give us that. They give us some things that we need to think about. So here they are. Second, <laughs> don't let wealth go to your head. Now we're going to see several different pro Proverbs that can kind of uh, point to this, but when pride comes, then comes disgrace, right? We have a saying, pride comes before a fall. But with the humble is wisdom. Don't let wealth go to your head. Third, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. We talked about this when we had the psalm that was for the memorial offering. And what we talked about is the, the memorial offering was part of the grain offering where Israel brought a portion of their first fruits, what came from the field, and they brought it to the temple. A, a small portion of it, just a handful, was used for the memorial offering, but the rest of it was given to the Levites for their sustenance. But the idea was you were giving it to the Lord. And so the Lord said, here's how we're going to fix this uh, giving to me thing. You give it to me first, and then you trust that I'm going to take care of you. It, it wasn't a thing of when you kind of put everything together and you add it all up, you don't sit back and go, okay, this part is God's. God says, Why, I want you to start there. Just give me my portion right off the top. Now, when I was a kid, and I, you know, this is before I understood this, when Christians were, you know, parents were having the debate between do we tithe on gross income or at which is it? Nowadays, I, I don't even know that that's really even a debate for people because it's not a, it's not a tithe, it's not a 10%, it's just this is what I think I can give. And what God is saying is, I want you to give and not think about it. I want you to trust me. So honor God with your wealth. And I have to say one more thing. I should have said this earlier. Um, remember, this is to all people, poor and rich. And you say, oh, man, I'm glad this sermon doesn't apply to me because I'm not wealthy. Um, just a reminder, uh, in the United States, wealthiest country, uh, if you have a roof over your head, uh, if most days this week you ate all three meals, didn't miss a meal except by choice, and you drove here, either in a car or in a car of your own, statistics say you were in the top 1% of the world. Okay, that's most people here. Okay, so if you're thinking, I don't know if this applies to me, it does. Um, honor God with your wealth. Next, Bless others with your wealth. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. This is a beautiful picture. I love the Proverbs. Think of a watering can. You have water in the can, and he is saying, the, 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 the writer here is saying, I want you to pour that out on somebody else. Now, what happens when you pour out the water? You have less. 
And he says, those who do that will themselves, what? Be watered. The blessing comes back. And so what a beautiful picture of blessing other people. Now, this is written in a strict Hebrew culture where this generosity is after you've already brought your tithes and offerings. This is in addition to bless others with your wealth. Next one on your notes there, watch your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Next one, don't flaunt your wealth. Don't flaunt your wealth. This is an interesting proverb, look at it. One pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another person pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. Now, the proverb writer here might just be making an observation. Isn't it funny how some people pretend like they have a lot of money, but they're really poor? And there might be another person over here that might actually have a lot of money, but they kind of pretend to be poor. Uh, We play this game sometimes when we go uh, to Portland. Uh, My wife and I uh, play a game called uh, Hipster or Homeless. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing to me sometimes you could be in a coffee shop in Portland and not be able to tell the difference between the homeless guy or the, or the Portland lawyer who has a lot of money and just dresses like he's a bum. And so, uh, you know, when you look at this, uh, it's interesting because you look at the proverb and you go, that's kind of a neat observation. But wait a second. If you had to pick one, which one would you rather be? Would you rather pretend you're rich or would you rather be rich? I think it's pretty simple. The writer of the Proverbs says, it's better to be rich and not put it out there than to put it out there and not have it. Don't flaunt your wealth. Or, as the writer of the Psalm says, don't pomp. Man in his pomp, don't don't do that. Be generous. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. There were so many others in the Proverbs. Don't trouble your own household. Uh, Seek wisdom over wealth. Uh, Chapter 8, verse 11, do what you say. Uh, Chapter 19, verse 22, in other words, if you make a promise, follow through on it. It's a heart issue. Chapter 21, verse 2, don't love pleasure. 21, 17, be content. 27, 20. But overall, just the idea is to give God the honor. So here's two more Proverbs just before we jump back to the Psalms. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Now, let me just stop there for a second. Listen, a lot of times when we see somebody who's poor, we go, oh, I bet they're this, this, or this. They're not a hard worker. They're a drug person, whatever it is. And we just go, oh, man, they deserve that. But then when it comes to what we have, we say, I worked real hard, I saved, I did these things. And, and it, it, as we say them, our chest kind of comes out a little bit and it, it moves towards pomp. And God just says, you know what? If you're rich, you're rich because I made you rich. I made you. I gave you the opportunities. I blessed you. And then he says, 
The reward for humility and fear the Lord is riches and honor and life. I know we all say, man, I, I've been blessed. I couldn't have done it without God. Make sure that that is a real humility and fear of the Lord for what he has given us. Back to the psalm. Uh, the psalmist contrast. The psalmist contrasts two groups. And the word, I, I hope it, it just stuck out to you when I read it in verse 14. Like sheep that are appointed for Sheol, for hell, death shall be their shepherd. I mean, that just stood out to me. He describes one group of people of death shall be my shepherd. And throughout the psalm, if you look at the different things that were said, what, are, what is this group described as? They're described as cheats in verse 5. They trust in their wealth in verse 6. They boast or show it off in verse 6, right? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches, the pomp. They live with foolish confidence in verse 13, like, like the uh, person in the parable. Wow, look at all this. And, and I, I, man, I, I'm just going to build bigger barns and I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And anytime you hear that phrase, it's not a positive phrase. They glory in their earthly homes, verse 16. They count themselves blessed, but really they're self-focused. In the passage in Luke, and, and we've looked at it before, in that short little parable, Jesus in telling it, when he's speaking about the man, he uses the word my four times and the word I eight times. In other words, the, he's telling the story and the guy's like, I, 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 me, 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 I, I, me, me. He's self-focused. Now, in contrast, it's not here in the text, but the contrast then is the people who the Lord is my shepherd. They are wise. They're not living in fear, verse 5. They are future or eternally focused, verse 7 and following. They're humble. They give God the glory. They trust in God. They put people before pleasure. So there's these two groups. We ask the questions, how do we distinguish between good and bad wealth? It's how it's earned. And I would emphasize the word earned. But how do we distinguish between sin and stewardship? Blessing and, and self-focus. Well, a lot of that is our attitude and what we do with what God has given us. And God says, look, I, I want to bless you. And so I want to bless you, and so that you don't get all full of yourself and into the pomp, I want you to take what I've given you, and I want you to, want you to give back. I want you to bless others. So much so that you have to trust in me and not trust in your wealth. I want you to make me the Lord of your life not your money. So what are some warning signs? Look at verse six. Those who trust in their wealth. What do I trust in? Wow, what do I, what do I, what do I trust in? And then he goes on to say, the author goes on to say, and boasts of the abundance of their riches. What do I talk about? What do I trust in? What do I talk about? I was 
such, there's such big discussions about this today, and I've been having them with my kids, and you know, what, how much is too much, and when am I taking care of my family, and when am I just seeking after wealth? What, what is the point there? Well, what am I trusting in? What do I talk about? What is, it that I, what is it that I want people to see in me? Um, I've shared this before, but I, like many young people, was, uh, and if you're doing it, I'm, I'm not judging you, but um, I was caught up at one point in time in my, my early 20s with somebody that, that uh, showed me how I could be a multimillionaire by a multi-level marketing scam. Uh, the one that I got involved in, just for the record, was actually a scam. The guy took off with our money and left the country. But still, at the time, it seemed like a really legit thing. And uh, I quickly realized um, when I was talking with people, while I was involved in this, I needed to make money. I was a young person. I, I was trying to find, you know, what God was going I knew that God was calling me to ministry, but at the time I was just volunteering at my church and, and I needed to pay the bills. And so at one time, I, I mean, I needed to make money uh, but we were also planning this church. And so when I met with somebody, I had this e- internal discussion that was going on with me. Do I invite them to the multi-level marketing meeting? They look like they've got some money. Or do I invite them to church? I got to eat. Multi-level marketing meeting it is. And for me at that, when I discovered I was headed down the wrong road and I wasn't going to be a multimillionaire, um, and the guy took off with our money. I said to myself, I don't want to ever be in a situation where I am trying to decide whether I am sharing Christ or selling a product. That was my decision. And I want to make sure that Christ is the thing that I want to talk about with somebody. Now, for me, uh, that conversation maybe is a little bit easier than most of you because men like to ask other men, what is it you do? Now, I try to circle around that question for a little bit. I like to play the, I'm a teacher. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, I direct uh, one of the largest nonprofits in, in the world called Christ Church. Um, I, you know, I, I've never said that one. Um, but eventually it comes to pastor. Um, and a lot of people don't want to talk to me after that. But um, what is it that you want people to know about you? What you do? Uh, how much you make? What you have? Or do you want them to know what you have in Jesus Christ? What is it you talk about? And I would encourage you this week just to kind of maybe make a mental journal of the things that you talk about. What do I focus on? Um, what is it that I, I just focus on? And I, doesn't, you don't have to have a lot of money. I, I wrestle with this myself. Um, I drive back and forth to Corbin twice uh, a week, and I look at the other cars going, I would much rather be driving that car. And it becomes a focus. So now I just shut my eyes. No, I don't do that. Um, <laughs> what do I glory in? What is, it, what is it that really just makes me Excited. Where does the pomp come from? Those are some warning signs. So the psalmist's conclusions are are really simple. In fact, in verses 16 through 29, what the psalmist really, uh, 16 through 20, he just, he repeats everything he's already said. Don't be afraid, verse 16. Be not afraid when 
when a man becomes rich. Again, repeating verse 5. You can't take it with you, verse 17. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away, repeating verse 10 and following. Not all riches are from God. Uh, Verse 18, for though while he lives, he counts himself blessed. Kind of repeating exactly what was said in verse 13, the the foolish confidence. And the conclusion, conclusion again. Man, in his special display, his honor, his pomp, without understanding, it's just like an animal. It's not a pretty picture there. So what's the application? Um, I'm going to give you three things. They're going to be very direct. Um, I believe that they're all biblical, and so I will stand behind them. Uh, but if I step on your toes, I am sorry, not sorry. Practice a tithe. How do we avoid making money our God? We make sure that we are being faithful as giving it back to God. And uh, you need to have a set amount. A tithe in the Old Testament was a tenth. That's just, uh, you know, there's not a rule for a tenth. In fact, in the Old Testament, it was really just a starting place. Um, It can be more than that. Maybe at times it's less, but there should be a set amount that we give back to God and trust that he is going to care for us in that money that we have given. Uh, Again, studies show that we are the richest nation in the world in many points in time, and yet our percentage of giving is less than most poorer countries. We have more, we hold on to more. That's greed. We need to be careful with that. Practice trust in your tithe. Second, practice trust in your generosity. Um, Look for a way beyond your tithe that you can be generous to somebody. And for some of you this week, um, your generosity might be buying them a cup of coffee. That might be as much as you you can do. Just for you... um, One of my daughters used to love to uh, go through the Starbucks uh, window. No surprise there, right? She's one of my kids. And she would go through the Starbucks window. And when she got there, she she would say, "Uh, I want to buy the person's drinks behind me. And so uh, she was kind of doing that. In fact, when she was here, uh, she did it at the little drive-thru up there on on Oak. I think it's on Oak. And uh, and on Sunday morning, they was like, oh, she's here. She's here. And like, last week it went like for five or six different cars. Like the people, next person would go, all right, I'll buy the drink from behind me. And it just kept going until one person says, sweet, and, and drove off, right? <laughs> so maybe for you, it's just, man, I'm gonna, just going to treat somebody to, to that. Or maybe you have a little bit more that you can be generous to somebody and really bless somebody uh, sometime this week and pray about it. God, give me an opportunity to really bless somebody else. And maybe God's already, what's amazing to me is when I preach on this, somebody will always come up to me and say, oh man, God's already been talking to me about that. And uh, you you kind of, you you really hit the nail on the head with that one. Uh, And and what I'm just saying is, if God's already been stirring your heart and now you're hearing the sermon, you better do it this week, okay? Wait no longer. And so if God's been stirring your heart to do that, like just go bless somebody. Uh, what What an amazing, amazing thing that you have an opportunity to do. And bless somebody with, without just anything other than, you know, maybe a thank you. Don't, don't be expecting anything in return. 
And then maybe you're here this morning and you're going, Dave, I know you're saying this applies to me, but I definitely relate to being poor. Then practice trust in your hard work and contentment. If you feel like, man, I, I'm, we're just barely making it. And I'm praying to God all the time that he would remove this or that he would give us this or that I wouldn't have to do this or whatever. I know some of you, I, I understand that. And if that's you, then maybe this week just say, you know what? I'm going to work as unto the Lord. Work itself in the Bible, we don't have, this is a whole other sermon, but just so you know, work actually came before the fall. Okay, it, that was there. God put them to work before sin entered. Toil came because of the fall. Weeds, thorns, difficulty, relationship broken. But work is a good thing. So if you're working, do it as unto the Lord with a good attitude. And be content with what God has given you. Um, I hope that when we were non-homeowners, it was always our goal to treat the rental property that we were living in as if it was something that God had given us. That was our home. Because we wanted God to give us a home. Why would God not give us a home if we weren't taking care of the one we were already given? So, Practice trust in your hard work and contentment and make that part of your worship. Until you learn to be content with what you have, God may not give you any more. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this morning. Uh, I certainly did not plan on talking about labor and wealth on Labor Day weekend while uh, people are out enjoying, but it certainly seems fitting, Lord, that you have given us the ability to work uh, the ability to earn, many of us, and that ability to earn uh, comes with it a responsibility of giving back to you, tithing, of blessing other people, of being generous, of finding ways to invest our money in things that are eternal, uh, people's lives, uh, missions, the church, um, organizations that help people. And so, Lord, thank you for the opportunities you have given. I pray for those who are struggling financially this morning. This kind of hurts a little bit, Lord, that we can, uh, those that are in that situation can live in a way that's glorifying to you, that can uh, work hard and be content with the things that you have given us um, and not dream of and wish for and, and mull over all the other things that, that, that are desired in this world, that we would just be content with what you've given us and the hope that we have in the future. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.